in today's episode of 750 Mills. It's a whole episode of how to improve yourself while maybe disappointing your parents at the same time. We're going to talk about how to keep your brain healthy by playing video games because science. Then, how would you like to have a career building things out of Lego and get paid a lot of money for it? All of that plus today's secret link, featured track, and more are coming at you right now. Hey everyone, welcome to 750 Mills and welcome to 2021, also known as 2020 Part 2. How you doing? Ready for 2022 yet? Welcome to the show folks, my name is Andre, and you know how it goes. We're all about bringing you good news, it's there, we still have some of that, interesting stories, and all manner of genuinely useful things to know, just so we can take the edge off the whole world being on fire all the time. Doesn't that sound great, he said not completely ironically and or sarcastically. Seriously though, this is the whole reason I started this show. Things can get pretty bad, that's true, but hyper-focusing on things like that is no way to operate. There's plenty of things we can't control, but we shouldn't let those things monopolize our attention. We should stay informed, but make sure to keep an even keel by keeping focused on things you can control and you can act on, as well as the things you know you ought to pay attention to, because doing that's good for you. Speaking of stuff that's good for you, let's talk about some fun stuff that's also good for your mind and, potentially, your bank account too. How's that for a start? While I make no guarantees on the latter, I will guarantee that at the very least you'll find this episode somewhat useful and mildly interesting. Who knows, you might even actually enjoy it. So let's just get into it. How does a brain scientist keep their brain healthy and in good shape, and what can you learn from that? It's good to answer properly because if you ask different people, and what I mean by that is something like the average man or woman on the street, you'll get different answers. We've all got some idea of what keeping your brain healthy involves, and they're not all going to be the same, or worse, not actually as helpful as we might think it is. Some people do crosswords, others do sudoku. And you may have come across brain training video games that purport to do just that. But do they really work in keeping your brain healthy? Or do they just train your brain to be good at that specific activity? Well, if you ask psychiatric epidemiologist Jessica Langbaum what she does to keep her brain healthy, the answer is simple. Just keep going to work. Here's what she says about that concept. Quote, My job is my daily cognitive training. While you're still in the workforce, you're getting that daily challenge of multitasking, of remembering things, of processing information. End quote. That makes sense when you think about it, and the pieces come together even more when you hear about friends or family who retire from work, and then they seemingly just age even faster. You get stories of people who, despite their age, would be sharp as a tack, and then after retiring, they just slowly lose that edge, and that glow in your eyes just starts to fade a bit quicker. Dr. Langbaum is the Associate Director of the Alzheimer's Prevention Initiative at the Banner Alzheimer's Institute in Phoenix, Arizona, and she spent years studying the effects of brain training programs as part of her work. She asked herself this question, How can I, in my career, help ensure that we aren't suffering from the disease when we reach that stage? She realized early on that puzzles and games weren't the answer because they tend to focus on one very narrow task. The result is like exercising just one muscle in your body. 
That muscle will get stronger, but your overall fitness isn't going to change. There's some brain training programs that can be helpful, especially if they have to do with testing and training reasoning and processing speed, while others, such as those having to do with memory, maybe not so much. Said type of programs appear to help delay the onset of cognitive impairment compared to people who didn't receive that sort of cognitive training. A key takeaway, according to Dr. Langbaum, appears to be this, quote, People who have a lot of social interactions, particularly in midlife, have a lower risk of Alzheimer's dementia in later life. There's something about being around people that's helpful for our brains. End quote. That's supported by research. A study published in July 2015 in the journal Aging Research Reviews examined the association between social relationships and dementia, and they found that a lack of social interaction is associated with dementia. So, does this mean that you should stop doing crossword puzzles, sudoku, or playing video games and the like? Well, not necessarily. Again, here's what Dr. Langbaum says, quote, If you like crossword puzzles, do them. But try something new. And trying something new that brings you enjoyment is key. Don't do it if you don't like it. End quote. Speaking of which, can video games help keep your brain healthy and prevent cognitive disorders such as dementia? Parents, cover your ears. A study published in June 2020 in the journal Frontiers in Human Neuroscience has some interesting things for us to consider. For one, it suggests that video gaming can improve emotional behavior and cognitive abilities in children, and those two things can play important roles in the brain health of individuals as they advance in age. Here's how the researchers went about doing it. They asked volunteers to play Super Mario 64. Why this video game? In one paper published in the journal Molecular Psychiatry back in October 2013, they found that playing that video game for a significant amount of time literally increases your gray matter in various parts of your brain that has to do with spatial navigation, strategic planning, working memory, motor performance, and navigation strategy. To oversimplify it, I guess you could say video games, or the very least video games like Mario 64, can potentially make you sharper and smarter. The paper's authors suggest that it could be beneficial in reducing the risk for mental diseases like PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder, schizophrenia, and neurodegenerative disease. Basically, stuff that makes your brain dumb. Back to the newer study published in the Neuroscience Journal. The lead author of the study, Dr. Mark Palaeus, said that individuals who played games like Super Mario 64 in their childhood have a better working memory and exhibit better problem-solving skills than those who hadn't. They also show better stimulus response. I'm guessing this means better reaction times or something like that. And uh, better processing ability. The findings of the study show that video games have a long-lasting impact on a person's brain. Even when they've stopped playing these games, they sustain their cognitive ability for a long period, which helps these later in life and plays a role in preventing neurological disorders such as dementia. Dr. Peleus says that the best video games for improving cognitive ability and helping improve or maintain brain health are the ones that involve challenging tasks. So basically, what the doc is saying is, if you want to be smarter, don't be a filthy casual. Hey everyone, quick break time. Just want to let you know that you can follow 750 Mills on more social platforms now. If you're not too keen on Facebook or Twitter, whatever your reason may be, the podcast is now available on both Minds.com and it's also got a Telegram channel now. Minds.com is kind of like a Facebook alternative, but they make it a point to be more privacy respecting 
and they don't play fast and loose with your personal, private information. If you're a writer, an artist, or any sort of a creative person, you might be interested in checking out their monetization platform too, where you can earn a little bit on the side by putting your content on Minds. I like that idea. But speaking strictly of podcast things, uh, this podcast will always be free. Make sure to check out 750mils on Minds.com by going to www.minds.com forward slash 750ml. Like the more often mentioned Signal Messenger, Telegram is a privacy-respecting messaging app. And I'm sure you've heard about it by now with all the hubbub going on with WhatsApp, Facebook, and privacy and all that. Basically, anything Facebook-related, that means Instagram, Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp, and the Facebook app itself, is no bueno for keeping your personal information private and out of the hands of people who can take advantage of it for their own purposes. What do I mean by that? Well, you ever get the feeling that your phone might be spying on you? Like when you were just having a conversation with your friend, you both happened to mention fluffy toilet seat covers and arugula for some reason, and then all of a sudden, BAM! You get an advert for fluffy toilet seat covers and arugula while you're scrolling through Facebook or Instagram. That's one of the more arguably benign uses of your personal data, in my opinion, that companies like Facebook, Google, and others harvest as part of their business models. There are more ways that your private, personal information can be misused, and not a lot of people appreciate that fact. But this is a conversation for another day, or maybe even another episode. We'll see. If you want to know why it's smart for you to take care of who you give your personal information to in terms of the internet stuff you use, you can check out a couple of Edward Snowden documentaries, one's called Citizen 4 and the other Thought Crime, both of them one word. You'll learn a lot. But I'm getting away from the main thing. The podcast is now on Telegram as well, so if you have Telegram installed, you should try it. I think it's really nice. You should check out the podcast by searching for the 750ML podcast, or you could just go to a web browser and type t.me forward slash the 750ML podcast. It's one word. Links to the podcast on minds.com and the Telegram channel will, of course, be on www.750ml.fm. The podcast will still also be on Facebook and Twitter, as there are other folks who still prefer those two platforms. We'll see how it goes. That's it. Don't like Facebook, WhatsApp, or Twitter, but still want to stay social and connected with your friends and family? Check out mice.com and telegram.org. Anyway, back to the show. There's this thing that adults sometimes do, and it's where they ask kids what they want to be when they grow up. Some of the classic answers from a few years or a few decades back would include jobs like being a fireman, a scientist, an astronaut, or even the president of a country. It's been a little different in the information age, and while there are plenty of new and different answers that'll make people perk up, one of the most recent jobs that pop up in conversation when kids are asked is YouTuber, streamer, or esports professional. And you'll know this especially if you grew up in South Korea. The internet and video gaming have never been bigger, and entertainment is always going to be up there in one form or another. You'll be surprised at how much money you can make just by playing video games, putting a camera on your face, and sending out your content through the world. But have you ever heard of anyone making money off building things out of Lego? That's right, that's an actual thing. And one of these people is called Junpei Mitsui, a Japanese man whose title is Lego Certified Professional. And he is both an artist who uses Lego bricks as his medium, 
as well as an educator who also uses Lego bricks as a means of teaching. He gets commissioned to create things by companies, television, and various publications, and his works have been displayed in countries like Thailand, Malaysia, and of course, Japan. He creates an amazing variety of 3D landscapes, famous landmarks, objects, and all sorts of things. And the amount of detail that goes into his work is just staggering. His work is really nice to look at too. I mean, I'll put links to his Instagram account and YouTube account in the show notes because the stuff he posts is just plain cool. One of his more recent works is a Lego interpretation of the iconic and probably the most recognizable Japanese work of art, the classic woodblock print The Great Wave of Kanagawa by Hokusai, the influential Japanese artist who lived between 1760 and 1849. Junpei's version of The Great Wave took him over 400 hours to complete and uses about 50,000 pieces of Lego bricks. It's not just the work itself that Junpei put a lot of time and effort into. He put in a lot of time into researching the science behind the artwork he would be interpreting. He also read several papers having to do with rogue waves and spent several hours watching videos of waves before starting the actual work. So Junpei was named a LEGO certified professional back in 2011, when he was just 24 years old, and at that time, he was the youngest LEGO certified professional ever in the world. He's not the only one. LEGO lists several individuals all over the world, in the Americas, in Europe, across the Asia-Pacific region, as being certified LEGO professionals. So, how exactly can you become somebody who gets paid to work with LEGOs? Well, there are two ways, mainly. We've already talked about LEGO Certified Professionals, but there's also the possibility for people to become LEGO Master Builders. What's the difference? In simple terms, becoming a LEGO Master Builder is a bit easier, more accessible, and a bit more straightforward, while becoming a LEGO Certified Professional is harder to get into, and it's a more exclusive club for the Michael Jordans of the LEGO building world. Only for those with a dedication to building LEGOs that the average person could probably be forgiven for saying might border on the psychotic. If you want to become a LEGO Master Builder, you start out by applying for a job at LEGO. You might start out as an apprentice builder, and you might work at a Legoland. Your job would be to spend long hours gluing thousands of individual LEGO pieces together, and you'll work on maintaining the park's various sculptures and exhibits. You'll probably get paid too, maybe something like $10 an hour or so. Then, if they think you got it in you, you could get promoted to the Senior Builder position. You might also get a pay bump to something like $12 an hour. You get to do more things too. You'll build models, oversee daily procedures, and you'll shadow master builders. Eventually, if you're really good and you get LEGO's attention, they could pick you out to be a LEGO master builder. And if they do, you get to do stuff like designing, building, removing, installing, and repairing any and all models at attractions. You'll be teaching people by running workshops. You'll speak to the media and you'll be at events. LEGO will give you design briefs that you'll work with accordingly, and you'll be working with them in building models for displays and marketing promotions. You also might get paid, probably at a higher rate than an apprentice builder or a senior builder would. What other things should you know about being a LEGO master builder besides all the seeming upsides to working with LEGOs and getting paid to do it? Well. It helps a lot for you to have a bachelor's degree in an art-related field, like say, architecture or design, or even engineering, whether it's the aeronautical, mechanical, or structural type. 
It also helps a lot to have some level of 3D modeling experience with software that includes Eliza AutoCAD, Maya, and SolidWorks. And of course, a portfolio that shows your body of work with Lego. Apparently, that better be really impressive. If slash when you get the job, here's the rub. You won't get as much freedom as you probably might expect when it comes to being paid to build things with LEGO if you're working with LEGO the company directly. The majority of the things you'll be working on are corporate sanctioned and affiliated stuff like LEGO models based on movie franchises and media tie-ins. Plus, they all have to be kid-friendly. Basically, you're more of a highly compensated and LEGO craftsman than you would be a LEGO artist, and those are two very different things. LEGO even has an MBA program, officially called the Master Builder Academy, to help you prepare for the position if you'd like to have a better shot at getting there. Just a word of warning though, according to LEGO themselves, just because you enroll in the program doesn't mean it's a guarantee that you'll eventually become a Master Builder. Let's say you actually made it through the process and you're in the final stages of being selected to become a LEGO Master Builder. What's it like? Well, for 23-year-old Andrew Johnson, a DePaul University major and the youngest master builder ever hired by LEGO, here's what he had to go through. First, he was selected to participate in an interview cycle, which was an intense three-round process where the participants who were competing with each other for the position were not told what they would be building in advance. Then, over the three rounds, Andrew had to recreate a Picasso sculpture build a small-scale model of Dr. Seuss's Lorax with just 20 bricks, and finally, within a 45-minute round, build a violin and a harmonica. If you want to have a peek at what a good candidate and his work should be like, Andrew has a one-minute application video that shows his pitch, the stuff that he's built that he'd included in it. So check out the show notes for episode 16, this episode, on 750ml.fm. But what if you wanted to work with Lego? Get paid for doing it and have the freedom to follow your own artistic direction all at the same time. You might want to go the route of becoming a LEGO certified professional. This is the road less traveled. It's harder and takes a lot more to get to this point. Quick bit of history here. The idea of endorsing independent builders as ambassadors for LEGO was proposed by Sean Kenny. He used to be a web designer for Lehman Brothers, but he left his job in 2003 to become a master builder. And two years into doing the master builder thing, he pitched the concept to corporate. They gave him a shot, and that started it all. So how does one become a LEGO certified professional and join the rarefied air of this really exclusive global club? There's no straight path or standard way to become an LCP. There's no training program, there's no certification course, there is no curriculum whatsoever. That's why it's a lot harder to become one of them and the barrier to entry is higher because of how much time and work you need to put into it on your own without any support system or formal guidance of any sort. Plus, LEGO is pretty cagey about what they look for in somebody they think might make a good LCP. One thing we do know is that a small subset of all LEGO certified professionals started out as being master builders at Legoland. Basically, you're a freelancer. And as a freelancer, you have more creative freedom and you can make more money than a LEGO master builder. But also because you're a freelancer, how much you earn and if and how you are recognized depend on how much work you put into it. When people say you'll need to do a lot, you'll need to do a lot. Your portfolio needs to stand ahead and shoulders above the rest of the worlds to get into the rarefied air of this very exclusive yet highly compensated and well-recognized strata world-class plastic toy brick artists. 
As of this episode, there are only 21 LEGO certified professionals in the whole world. If you do make it there, it'd be kind of amazing. Here's what it's like to be one. A LEGO certified professional is an official, recognized, and trusted business partner. You're not an employee. You don't get paid by the company. You're a business that has a business relationship with LEGO. LEGO will essentially endorse you as an ambassador of the brand and they'll allow you to buy bricks in bulk. And in return, you basically get to stuff your portfolio and advertise your epic LEGO-based artwork. And they better be epic for you to be on this level. You can get hired by big corporations, brands, and even really rich private individuals to make custom sculptures. Some LCPs have also had their work displayed all over the world. So where do LEGO certified professionals come from and what exactly do they get to do as artists who use LEGO as a medium? Remember Sean Kenny from a few minutes back? He's a former web designer and he's been commissioned to create stuff by the likes of Mazda and Google. He's been featured in publications like the New York Times and the Smithsonian Magazine and his work has been displayed in galleries and exhibitions across the world. Dirk de Noyle is a well-known Belgian comedian. He got famous back in the 2000s when he created the heads of 30 Belgian and international celebrities. Today, he and his team create Lego models as displayed in exhibits and text commissions like large 3D portraits, Lego-based fine art, huge dioramas, and more. He also does team-building exercises and motivational speeches. Amazings. Nathan Sawai used to be a highly paid Wall Street lawyer who used to play around with Lego bricks as a way to de-stress. He just got really good at it. Like Sean, his work has also been shown around the world in major art institutions and his stuff has been held in prominent collections, both public and private. He's also the founder of the Art Revolution Foundation and he's given talks at Google's Zeitgeist, TEDx, Yahoo, remember Yahoo, and at the Clinton Library. Nathan also takes commissions. His clients include the likes of Donald Trump and Ashley Simpson. And he charges anywhere between $2,000 to $10,000 for his work and the sculptures he produces can take anywhere between two days to two months to complete. He makes more money now than he did when he was a lawyer. So, if you're a young adult, you like playing with Legos, and mom and dad tell you grow up and go to law school, show them this. Anyway, it's time for this episode's featured track. How about something fun from 30 years ago? Here's a song called Two Princes from the Spin Doctors, off their 1991 album Pocketful of Kryptonite. I dug this song so much as a kid, specifically the drum parts, that it made me want to be a drummer, so I asked both my dad and my granddad to buy me a drum kit. They both said no. So check out the song in the 750ml's featured tracks playlist that's both on Spotify and Apple Music. Just refresh your playlists or search for it if you haven't followed it yet. If you want some early 90s cheese to go with your music, you can also watch the music video which I'll be putting in the show notes for this episode. That's episode 16. That is it for this episode of 750 Mills. Make sure you head on over to 750ml.fm to check out links to stuff we've talked about in here. That includes the featured track, along with this episode's secret link. You can subscribe and listen to the 750 Mills podcast on Podomatic.com, Spotify, Deezer, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music Podcasts, and wherever podcasts might be found. Just type in 750ml podcast in the search box and tap on the follow or subscribe button. Links to all of that will be in the show notes for this episode, which you can find on 750ml.fm. That's 750ml.fm. And as usual, if you have been enjoying it so far, 
please consider leaving a star rating and a review. Your feedback helps improve the podcast and it can help other people find it as well. And I'd really appreciate it. Anyway, folks, thank you for hanging out with me once again. And I will leave you with this idea from Frederick Matthias Alexander on why your habits, whether you mindfully created them or not, matter so much. Here's what he said. People do not decide their futures. They decide their habits and their habits decide their futures. Hope you have a good day. Take care now.